you're all very welcome to our Right to Change podcast, this our third edition. And this week I'm giving a very warm welcome to Councillor Kieran Perry from Cabra Glasnevin. And uh, he's going to talk to us about something that maybe a lot of people are not quite uh, as aware of as we should be, although we're hearing rumblings of it now. And that's uh, the rise and the re-rise, if you like, of the far right in Ireland and indeed elsewhere. You're very, very welcome, Kieran. Thank you, Dominic, and thank you for the invitation. An absolute pleasure to be speaking to yourself. So, um, well, we, we've seen now last, well, last Saturday was in Cork and the week before we had um, marches on the street, perhaps under the guise of, and, and a lot of people um, would have been kind of thinking that, oh, you know, this is all about people are now getting a bit fed up and they don't want to wear masks. But there's a bit more than that to it, isn't there? There is, there is indeed. Um, Dominic, again, to be fair, there are a lot of people who are genuinely concerned about the length of lockdown and the effect it's having on their mental health, their jobs, the economy. So there are genuine concerns out there. And the government's stewardship of the pandemic has been fairly poor, I think, by anybody's standards and you know and as sort of confirmed by the mess they're making of the the, the vaccine rollout even the vaccine that they do the, the small supply that they do have and indeed apparently reluctance to seek vaccines elsewhere even though there's plenty of eu countries doing so so we can we can understand where people's concern come from but I'd say uh, Saturday two weeks ago was a good example. Like there was a, a significant number of people, and not to be old, not to be exaggerated, but like a significant number of people, and a fair amount of them would have been what I describe as nutballs, believing in all sorts of conspiracy theories. But it would have, they would have had some genuine people there who have difficulties with the uh, with the with the lockdown, sure. being involved, yeah, sure. jobs, whatever. And worryingly, there would have been a significant number of the racists and fascists who were trying to build on the disquiet over the lockdown. And it's ironic because the likes of the National Party, again, tiny, and we don't want to exaggerate their influence or their um, their reach. But interestingly, they they. They previously they had acknowledged the pandemic as genuine and that you know people should adhere to whatever restrictions, but because they don't seem to be gaining much traction based on their racism, um, they had they've now clung to the anti-lockdown movement in an attempt to try and recruit and expand their membership. And as could be seen, um, two weeks ago and on Saturday. There was uh, the literature from the far right parties circulating at, at those I suppose they're, they, they see an opportunity that they obviously didn't see even at the beginning of this, but now they're seeing an opportunity and out they go. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's an indication of both a couple of things. One is their desperation to try and latch onto something because like, don't forget, I mean, no matter what, most of these people who would allege concern about issues that affect us all, but 
you know, mm-hmm. housing, antisocial behavior, government policies. None, if any, have any history of being involved in community fightbacks or in campaigns against all these things. Yes, like yes. The, the parasitic element among them, it, you know, are shown for what they are. Like they're trying to latch onto homelessness, that type of stuff, without ever having an interest before it was politically expedient for them. And I don't forget, Dominic, but the leaders of some of these uh, groups and parties, like the National Party, for instance, the two main people are ex-Fine Gael. So like that, that almost says it all. Says everything, really, I, doesn't it? Says yeah, says everything. But you know, the, the, what's, what struck me, Kieran, and I did, I did want to ask you to, to mention this in particular. And that was we, we had the um, we we had the march in Dublin, right? And yeah. then it was a couple of days. Or was it before the march in Cork? It was the before was the march in Cork. Somebody um, somebody um, came out. Somebody I presume in government or or uh, a councillor I think down in Cork. And um, sort of said, and, and one of the people organising this was, you know, um, one of the one of the water protesters. So yes. this attempt that was being made, because there are an awful lot of people, and you know this as well as I do, Kieran, that uh, they look on people marching on the street, no matter what it is, and well, they're just a bunch of malcontents, and they don't really distinguish very well between a bunch of malcontents that might have, um, <laughs> let's say, a, a, a genuine case. And and I thought that this was a very sneaky sort of um, uh, way to try and tar everyone with the same brush. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. No, I know the person you're speaking about. Yeah, no. Again, the, 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 you know, the, the the person again that we're speaking about is more of a self-publicist uh, as <laughs> anything. Because unfortunately, the police commissioner made a claim that the Dublin event had um, right. involvement from both left and right. So I, I took issue with that, obviously, because it was clear that it was um, a right-wing demonstration and the, the, the people at the demonstration, like the, the nutboat, the nutballs and the far right, like would be, would have completely opposing politics to us on the left. Of course. So it, it, to me, it was really, it, it, it was done on purpose. The, 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 um, the commissioner would be no slouch when it comes to uh, backups, given that he has a background in the RUC. Exactly. And I don't think yeah. it was any mistake to try and tar the left with the violence of the right. But yeah. what annoyed me was in Cork, the person we're speaking about um, as a self publicist claimed to be left and Republican and almost by in, by inference then confirmed what the commissioner had said luckily that the person wouldn't be taken that seriously down there yeah and and he you know he 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 he, he led whatever amount of people the hunger that did turn up but you know to no to no real uh, event to be on to be honest but I, I was particularly annoyed that he would give some sort of credence to what the Garda Commissioner had said. Exactly, exactly, yes. Kieran, before we go any further, have you a piece of music that you would like us to hear that would actually maybe tie in with some of what we're saying? 
Yeah, Tommy. I'm um, reverting back to my youthful past. I was thinking that the, the, the Clash and our song White Riot would be very appropriate because that was written uh, at the time when the National Front were probably reaching a peak uh, on the streets in England. That's right. And it was in reaction to them. And it was part of the labelling of the punk movement as, you know, a progressive leftist movement, which yes. thankfully managed to politicise a lot of us. Well, this is now you're talking about your youth and your youth is, well, you know, it's far closer than my youth, Kieran, because I think you're talking about 1977 when the first Clash album came out. And this was, for me, one of the standout tracks on it. So here we are with White Riot. sound from Kieran's youth as he's going to call it and sure I'll call it that too as well I was a bit old for that when it came out it took me it took me years to kind of catch up really Kieran but there you go the clash <laughs> and white they, riot. They, they caught me at a perfect time um, and it was probably one of the biggest music and the punk movement was probably one of the biggest influences in my life well, that's, that, that is absolutely fantastic. I, I kind of came to it, I came to the punk later, you know, um, at the time I, I would have kind of went for the softer end of it, the, the Elvis Costello, you know, and sort of saying, well, he's writing, you know, uh, better melodies. But these guys, and I mean, in fact, the first Clash album, um, every song has, who needs complete control from the city hall? Well, do yeah. do we? But now you're in the now you're in the city hall, Kieran. Maybe you think we do. <laughs> already, already, you're accusing me of selling. We're only halfway into the interview, and you're accusing me of selling. Not, now, but not at all. Absolutely, absolutely, not absolutely not total at all. from the city hall from the civic hall. <laughs> well, well, now listen. Either either from the city hall, or indeed from you know from all of us. And the thing is, what can people do about what you're saying? You know, there'd be a lot of people, a lot of people would have been unaware of this, but if people become aware of this, what what can be done about it? Because we're all a bit fed up. We don't want to be locked down, blah, blah, blah. I mean, those of us who, who look at it, we say like, you know, um, this, this is a necessity. There's nothing we can do about it. 
personally, I don't want to I don't want to be able to be locked down in my house, but some people will accept it. Some people will be less accepting of it. But what can we do about these people that are using it to further their agendas? There's a difficulty um, in that the toxicity of social media platforms, some of this stuff, and it's very difficult to address, given that the uh, social media companies basically refuse to address some of the blatant abuse, the, the, you know, the sexist, racist, fascist abuse on their platforms. Like That's an absolute disgrace. They need to be forced into um, dealing with the, the, that type of abuse on on their on their platforms. They, again, the toxic nature of social media does give an opportunity to the, the fascists and the racists to propagate their views online, where they where they it's difficult to confront them, where they wouldn't have the the, the, the courage to do so. You know, in in our communities or on the streets. So that's a difficulty when hopefully we're seeing the end of the lockdown, you know, in the coming months with the vaccination program. And hopefully communities and anti-racist, anti-fascist can get out onto the streets and counter those arguments within their communities. That it, that it can be done online. And there are plenty of people who are challenging it online. But again, the, the, the simplicity of the racist message is an easy sell to, you know, a, a disillusioned yes. person. To people who are disgruntled, yes, exactly. Yeah, rather than the slightly complicated argument that the likes of myself or you would make, you know, where we would, you know, identify the, 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 the political parties uh, the, and the ideology of the political parties as being responsible for the state of uh, society and our communities and the country. It's, it's, a, it's a more nuanced argument where the, 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 the racist argument to, to blame those, you know, punching down, as people say, blaming those yeah. less fortunate oh, than yes. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Or ill, you know, yeah, you know, immigrants, travelers, unmarried mothers, whatever. You know, there's always a, a, a blame game going on with them. So I think it's, it's important to be, that they're challenged everywhere on, on every platform. On every think, platform. But you're, you've just mentioned um, social media, but since uh, in the, over the last couple of weeks, there's actually been somebody uh, that was an RTE. He, again, his name escapes me, but it turns out he's the he's the yeah, editor of this gripped thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Again, that's a that's a that's a serious problem. Very, is that yes. Some of the uh, mainstream media are given platforms to these people. Now, it's difficult to argue against. You know, individuals per se, like when they would possibly have a legitimate point of view um, that may be contrary to ours. But those who have contrary views that actually add to the the racist or fascist sentiment, they shouldn't be platformed. And unfortunately, we have some of the mainstream media doing that. We have, you know, a couple of infamous shop jocks, as the Americans call them who do this for a living to try and, you know, create clickbait, as it's called. Yes, um, yeah. And you, you can understand that, that like, that's, a, that that's a conscious business decision for, for, for them. But the, you'd expect more from the likes of 
news talk from the likes of RT and even from the Irish Times. There was a, an occasion when the Irish Times platformed, um, you know, won the races uh, themselves before. In the Irish Times, yeah, and so the like they're being given yeah. a, a platform, which is like, it's it's hard to believe. It's really hard it, to believe. It, it, is, it is, and now, the, 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 just because somebody disagrees with my view, I don't want them censored. I'm happy enough. I, might, I actually take pleasure with um, arguing with people of opposing views, but those who are racist and fascist, they cannot be platformed. Because of the number of people that will follow along without giving it without giving it any thought at all, that, that's the frightening thing, you know. Because, yeah. as you say, people are disillusioned. So many people disillusioned with politics, and why wouldn't yes. they be? And I don't vote. It make it'll make no difference. You know, we all heard the one, and we know the one. And Absolutely, and, and, and Dominic. Interestingly, in the in the areas where we, where where we organise and where we would consider our constituency, you know, the working class areas, like the, the, the level of active disengagement from politics is shocking. You know, the, the, the voter turnout it's, it's in the most disadvantaged areas, it's absolutely shocking. It's probably, it's probably an actual fact. And you know, it is the biggest job ahead of us. It's the biggest job ahead of us to try and re-engage people or engage them for the very first time in a lot of cases. Absolutely, Dominic. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's a hugely labour-intensive process. And unfortunately, I'd be very critical of a lot of the the, the, the liberal left. And I a lot of them, in my opinion, don't have the ambition or the the work ethic to actually get down and dirty themselves in doing the really long labor intensive slog and i i think that's where we, we we really need to be doing our work and it's and it's a long it in fact you know what it's often been said and it's so true that that work is never done no no it's never done but unfortunately dominic over the last whatever decade or so more it's been done less and less it, it will never be done completed but the problem we have now is that we've actually uh, retracted, in my opinion, we've less of an influence in areas that we would have had, and the, the left I'm talking about now, that we would have had an influence going back over uh, that you know the last period of time, we're beginning to have less and less of an influence and because. Why of, do you think that uh, is? I think, as you've said, the the disengagement from politics per se. I don't think the left in general are active enough in their own communities, in working class communities. I don't think they're seen seen as offering a viable alternative, not an alternative, a viable alternative. Like, uh, like, like Sinn Féin would be classified as a social democratic party and like they're mopping up support in yes. working class areas at the expense of people who consider themselves, you know, socialist. Yes. And anybody who would consider themselves socialist, including ourselves, would need to ask, why do people find um, Sinn for in, in this instance, more attractive than what we're offering? Absolutely, absolutely. And again, I suppose, well, in, in some cases, they, the media, um, they get a lot more coverage than, than a lot of the smaller left parties. 
there's, there's no getting away from that. It might not be favourable uh, coverage, but like it's when you see someone like Leo Varadkar or Fine Gael, Fine Gael are very, very, very obviously worried about Sinn Féin. I don't think that that worried about us, Kieran. to be honest. No, but it, it, in itself, Dominic, is, 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 is not a confirmation of our concern that they're not. Like, the threat from us on the left is should be much more dangerous to the neoliberals of Fine Gael, Fine Fall. And the fact that it isn't is really confirmation that we're not making the impact that we really should. Now, again, Dominic, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of critiquing, you know, the left and all that, you know, at, at this moment in time. But it does have to be acknowledged that if we don't provide a viable alternative, the, the far right will. When they, ha they currently, because they, they, you know, they're, they're, they're poor, they're poorly organised and they're, they're, you know, their their leadership is, you know, pathetic to say the least. They, mm. they're, they're not like it, they're, they're not a threat at the moment. And you know, anyone that says they are is exaggerating the threat because it it must be acknowledged that well, they had a presence on the streets during the anti-lockdown protest, the Yellow Vest protest, when militant anti-fascists confronted them in an organised way. They disappeared and they Absolutely. haven't been yes. back on the streets in any numbers since then. They will, of course, come back, but when they were confronted, they, they didn't. So let's like I, I'm also wary of over exaggerating the threat, but the threat is significant and will certainly grow as disillusionment grows with, with, with all the institutions of the state. Almost every week, there's somebody caught with it. The, the hand in the till, you know, yes. babies, stockbrokers, yeah. yeah. the, church, the churches, the insurance companies. The right. of, and what do the we do? We all sit back and we wait for the next one to come along. And that's what they do as well. They just sit back and say, nothing to see here. And next week it'll be something else. Of course, absolutely. You know? absolutely. Um, have, you a second, have you a second piece of music that you'd like to share with us, Kieran? Yeah. It, it, in relation to confronting um, the racists and the fascists, um, there's a fantastic poet um, from Brixton, uh, Linton Quezzy Johnson is his name, and he has an absolute fantastic array of material. Well, that is absolutely excellent. And you know, as a bonus, if people become aware of this guy, because uh, as you've just said, he has bucket loads of great stuff that's worth listening to. So this is Linton Quasey Johnson from his 1979 album Forces of Victory and a track called Fight Them Back. Fascist and the attack, then we counter attack. Fascist and the attack. 
Linton Kwesi Johnson fading away there into the middle distance and a track called Fight Them Back. And before I let you go, Councillor Kieran Perry, I wanted to talk to you about housing because I know you've been very involved in that and the housing crisis that we have and the unwillingness of uh, the parties in government um, at every level, whether it be council level or in, in the Dáil, to do anything about it because it actually if you if you solve this problem you're going to uh, shall we say displease their vote their voters the people who vote for them they don't really want yeah. this no uh, to be honest um Dominic, it's not even their voters it's more the lobby groups that control them you know yes. big business developers like you're going to seriously impact their profits if we begin to build public housing. The affordable rental uh, concept, to me, is a nub of the solution to the housing crisis, like the, net, the, the apparently never-ending housing crisis. If we can provide affordable rental housing, it gives people who either can't afford the exorbitant rents that they're currently paying, or can't afford a mortgage, or choose not to buy a house or to own the house, but would happy, live happily in a, a secure tenancy at reasonable rent for the rest of their lives. You're giving those people an option. By doing so, there's, I believe there's a significant proportion of the population who would only be too happy to take that option. By doing so, you would automatically deflate the rental market for the private sector for those who choose not to want to go into you know, the, the affordable mm -hmm. rental yes. system uh, for per perpetuity. It also, because you're taking a significant proportion away from those competing for houses, the uh, obscene house prices would naturally fall as well. So, so people who still choose to own their property or wish to own their property in the future, they're, they're not dead. They can still do so. They but should be the winners. It sounds like a winner winner for everybody, unless no, no, except no, the absolutely. landlords, the private no, landlords, no. and the vulture funds. Uh, no, absolutely, and, and and I think that's the problem for the, the the two major parties is that those lobby groups fund and control the the parties, and they're determined not to allow us to progress that vision for affordable rental and they create this the, the myth that you know everybody must own their homes and they they reference you know they, 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 it's in our historical genes based on the famine blah 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 yes when, yeah if you if you read um a book i'd highly recommend uh, from colin mccabe and um, there's a there's a chapter on housing and in that he explains how the state purposely began to push people towards purchase, house purchase, rather than the old corporation schemes that we've seen successfully uh, home and house people for decades. You know, yes. the, the, the body frame, the crumbling. So it, like, it, it, it was designed purposely to push people into um, home ownership and all the disadvantages of that. So it's, it's a myth that it's in our genes that we want to. I'm sure, like those residents of Vienna, 
um, in Austria that the majority of people in Ireland will be only too happy to live in reasonably rented, secure, good quality housing as they do in Vienna. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, the, the, the awful thing is that the developers party, as they're kind of now known, Fianna Fáil, back in the 1940s, a lot of the corporation houses and the council houses were actually built under Fianna Fáil. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and where did it, where did it, I mean, I have my own theories on it, neither here nor there, but I mean, things developed and eventually we wound up with this Celtic tiger. I know people whose parents bought their corporation houses for a song, which yeah. I personally think shouldn't really have been allowed. No. Um, and, you know, then sold them, sold them on. And, you know, who, bu who buys them half the time? You know, it's the developers. Yes. You know, yes. who buys these things? It's not like, you know, I'm buying this for my son or my daughter. In a lot of cases, they moved, they had moved on anyway, because we were talking pre-Celtic Tiger lunacy. And back in the day when people could afford to buy a house for 20 grand yeah. or 25 grand, do you know? But then, then, like, the, the, just think about the, the, the contradiction in terms of the provision of public housing, whereby you have a, a public house and you sell that to somebody for up to a 60% discount. Yeah. So not alone are you you giving away housing stock, public housing stock, you're also not even getting the value, the value. of your asset. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're basically giving that away. So how, like no wonder we're in the situation that we are in where we can't house people on the uh, social housing list because we've given away a huge proportion. I was at a seminar last week and one of the researchers said that um, Ireland would have a similar amount of social housing to the likes of Vienna if we had retained all the social housing that the state built rather than selling it off. So isn't like, that just, I mean, is, is that is that's beyond depressing really, isn't it? When you think about it, it really is. Yeah. That's really absolutely un and, unbelievable. And like, you say about Fianna Fáil being the developers' party, and I don't think anyone could argue with that. But like, let's not forget Fine Gael in this. Fine Gael would have been historically the, the, the big never, ranchers. I never do forget them. At every no, opportunity, Kieran, I try to get something <laughs> in it. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. No, it's just because um, of the, the look of uh, strategic housing developments that are in the planning process by like just to remind people that both the parties are developer led like what we have is the dublin city development plan is a rough and tough a two-year process undertaken by the councillors with the uh, assistance of communities and the obviously the council officials and we the, it, it's this really, again, labour-intensive process that goes back and forth for a number of months. We finally come up with a plan after much debate and, and sweat and tears. Sure. The, the Minister of the Environment didn't agree with the height restrictions that we had imposed that had been democratically agreed. So we, with a stroke of a pen, he just overwrote the restrictions and has resulted in one planning application, which may or may not be successful, I'm not saying it will be successful, yeah. one planning application for 45 storey in the Docklands. 
So we, we would have had the, 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 the huge amount of work would have went into the planning process down there. And I think the height restriction was between 10 and 12 storeys. So you have 45 now being proposed because the height restrictions have been removed. So everything is placate the developer and big business. It definitely and is, isn't it? There's it, no it, question it, about it. it. If you look, Dominic, one, uh, an area that's very close to my heart with uh, O'Devney Gardens, and an area that was part of two previous attempts to regenerate both using the private sector, and the, the, the one before this was um, the, the infamous one um, with, oh, Jesus, I'm forgetting his name now, the, the, the McNamara, with McNamara, where he was uh, to develop the the O'Devney Gardens, and when he didn't, when he reckoned there wasn't enough profit in it, he walked away from that prior to gone bust, and the people were left living in an absolutely disgraceful environment for 10, 15 years. That area is back up for redevelopment, and basically the council yeah. and, the, and the majority of councillors have agreed to give it, and I, not to sell, to give away those lands down there, I think it's um, 12 or 16 hectares of prime public land. They're going to give away that for the payback of about 20% social housing and a number of what they're describing as affordable purchase, yeah. which isn't really affordable. What, put put, put, a, put a figure on that, Kieran, because like the, the idea of affordable, what, what kind of... I, they, they're talking about, I think, between 320 and 380,000 per unit. And if you calculate the income and the down payment required, it will exclude the vast majority Absolutely. of people yes. in the city, but certainly in an area that has suffered that type of uh, decaying environment for so long. There's absolutely no payback for the community. It was a ideal solution. We're talking about roughly a thousand homes on that site. And the impact that a thousand social and affordable rental homes would have had on the on Dublin, but specifically that area that has been neglected for so long, would have been phenomenal. Would have been but amazing. The, yeah. Yeah, it's, hard, it's really, really hard to. Well, I mean, it's not hard to credit. We've covered the reasons. We know the reasons, and we've got to continue to fight the reasons. And you're Absolutely. right. You're right there at the front line, Kieran. It's amazing the work you do. I think. And I'm going to ask you now: Have you got a third piece of music for us? After I all, that? yeah, Donny. Just before we do, just in yeah, relation in relation to your last comments, like I'm one the one because I have. Uh, a bit of a profile because uh, I'm a public rep, you know, I get some credit that's probably not necessarily deserved. Like a lot of the work that I can do is enabled by the people behind me yes. in our community who work consistently, voluntarily and at their own expense to make our communities, our city, our country a better place. And while the likes of myself may, may be seen to be, you know, a higher profile than a lot of them people. We we couldn't do without them. We have to be acknowledged. It's the people who do the hard slog day in day out that you know deserve the credit. We're 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 just sort of a conduit for some of those ideas. We do add our own ideas, but we're you just do. a conduit you for do. those ideas. So 
So just to acknowledge that. I've well, done it to slightly vary the, 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 the style of music. Um, uh, one that I always liked, and that, again, that's relevant to where we start the conversation on the rise of the far right. It's um, Heaven 17, and uh, we don't need this fascist groove time. We don't need this fascist groove thing. Another one from Kieran's youth. So here we go with Heaven 17. I'm going to take this opportunity to thank you very, very much, Kieran, and it was a joy and a pleasure to speak to you. And thank you for talking to us on our podcast. And I hope that very soon, sooner rather than later, we'll we'll speak again. Hopefully, Dominic, and I do appreciate the the invitation and the very best of luck with your project. Project. It's really important that we have as many left voices out there on every different type of platform publicising and pushing the policies and the politics that me and you know will better be for the betterment of our communities and for our country and for our people. And that's indeed what we're trying to do in our own small way. And thank you very much again, Kieran Perry. When you've had enough of the same old stuff, we've got a right to change. And just to give a very special thank you once again to our guest this week, Councillor Kieran Perry for Cabaret Last Nevin. And uh, thank you for listening and staying with us. Hope to talk to you again very soon. And remember, we've got a right to change. Thank you. Good evening.